The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from warbirdradio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you sometime at warbirdradio.com. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. And we're from Plane Crazy Down Under, Australia's aviation show. And you can find us at planecrazydownunder.com. We reckon for the best coverage of the Kiwi warbird restoration and aviation scene, you can't go past Dave Homewood and the Wings Over New Zealand show. On you, Dave. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, we've got to get to New Zealand soon. Where is that anyway? Well, it's where I grew up. I thought that was Brisbane. Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended! Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Just at the beginning, I'll get you to state your full name. John Ackland Wall. And uh, your date of birth? Oh. <laughs> 21, 12, 23. Okay, and uh, your um, place of birth? Um, it was in London. All right. Call well, it um, I'm told I was in London anyway, but we moved when I was a about that long, okay. to um, north of London, a place called Broxbourne. Okay. Yes. Uh, so um, what rank did you get to? Flight Lieutenant. Right. And tell me about growing up. Did you sort of have much influence from aviation at all when you were a kid? or? Um, we lived in Broxbourne on really close to... A, an aeroplane, aerodrome. All right, what was that? And you know, it was known as the, I think it was the Hearts and Essex Aero Club or something like that. Okay, yep. And they flew, well, they, to me they were modern planes, Avro 504s, uh, not Tiger Moths, but Moths. Yep. Uh, avians. Compass Swift was a super little thing. Right. Uh, and they were going on and off all day long and all on. 
So, so were you one of those boys that used to hang over the fence and watch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sat on my bike and hang on. <laughs> oh yeah, they had a few pranks, but some of them misjudged things and things. But I don't believe anyone was killed. Did you ever get to know any of the pilots or, or get to know the mechanics there or anything? Um, I don't, well I, the mechanic, not the mechanics, the pilots, um, it's getting complicated, the answer is really no. So when did you have your first flight? Was that later in the Air Force or...? Um, no, no. My father took me up in a Hanley Page twin things that were out, sitting on, um, what were they called? Made of con... Made of, I've, gone, I've gone word blind, but... <laughs> <laughs> they were just sitting on the seats, not tied in or anything. Oh, right, right. You know, I suppose there were about 20 people. Oh, okay. Was it um, like an airliner type thing? Yeah. yeah. It was one on an airline. They flew from Croydon. Right. And um, I don't know, it was a surprise for me. So I was, well, I suppose we were out for about half an hour or maybe longer. So it was, that was, what, 10 perhaps? Something like that. Wow. And that was great. Yeah, that, that was my first flight. So would that have been, uh, you were trying to describe the seats, were they the old wicker type seats? That's it, yeah, that's, wicker, it yeah. that's it, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen old photos of those. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so different from today. Oh, very different. <laughs> so, um, what did your father do for a living? What was his, his oh. role? Oh, he was worked for the council, London County Council. Right, right. So that's pretty neat to go on an aircraft. Oh, was very good indeed. I think my mother came, I don't remember that. How old were you when you went up? About, oh, I'm talking now, guessing, probably about 12 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So... Oh, it was, it was one of those wonderful old planes that didn't strike me as old and old, looking back at them. I guess, too, um, that was the era when every little boy loved aeroplanes, they mm. all wanted to fly. Yeah. And you must have had some great stories to tell the, your mates at school after that. I suppose I did. Uh, I'm sure I did. <laughs> Probably the, the only boy in the school who had flown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that'd be pretty special. Very special. And so uh, what, what led you down towards the Air Force? Did you always want to get into the Air Force after that? Or? I was about 16. Uh, and there were schools that got uh, air raid shelters and so on. And three of us who were aged 16 or so were put in charge of one shelter and had to get the kids into that. And then we stood on the gate outside and I watched the Battle of Britain fighting. And that set, set all three of us off. And from then and there we said, that's what we'll do. We're going to fly our Spitfire. 
Um, there's a, a long and involved business, but uh, the headmaster and my father, and their, their fathers, I suppose, too, um, made it possible. And uh, if we would sign up when we were 17, we would go to university uh, and do the uh, the ad, what's it called, the initial training anyway. Yep. So um, this was a, a great opportunity. So the three of us went up to the Air Ministry and uh, explained that we were we wanted to sign up because we had to go to, and uh, it was a well known. So we were then and there did a me medical. Um, Peter failed that because of his eyesight, but he was the leading land leading light in the morning. What do they call it? The army, anyway, had a, uh, while Chris and I were not, and we were passed and, and uh, sent from London right up to Glasgow to university, along with, uh, it turned out, about 50 others. Right. <laughs> and we were there for about three months. To, um, really doing nothing except this initial training. Um, um, we just fooled around, I suppose. I discovered pubs and things. <laughs> um, we did some flying there with, I suppose, an officer and a tiger moth. So, he took one each, or one, one, weights, weekends, I suppose, must have been. So we had about a 10 minute flight. Great. It was good too. Um, after that, we just joined in the regular flow. I think it was in Regent's Park. I think, anyway, I th there are thousands of blokes. Um, we had, who had passed our initial training, got a little fan, uh, sign on our caps. The white flash? Yeah, that's it, yeah. white flash. And of course we had a propeller, very important. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a lot of, I don't remember how much, but it was a lot paid in, in the other bloke. Um, so did you stay with, together with Chris when you went? Um, we went to Canada together. Right. Um, I don't remember the name of the boat, but it was, a, a, I think, a French boat, a liner. Yep. Um, and there were two others and we shot over there at great speed. <laughs> um, went to 
Halifax. And there, from there, we went to a place called Moncton. Um, then we split up. I don't know why or how, but perhaps the name is Kappa, the miners' wall, and they they said, "Well, that's no good." Chris went to somewhere in Canada for flying, and I went to te Texas. Oh, right. So that was a, no, no, a novel thing. The, <coughs> the Air Force bought three aerodromes. Um, they were staffed by Americans and all um, jobs. Yeah. There was the chief in flying instructor and all the juniors. Uh, there was the landing of the Air Force, no whatever. Oh yeah. Well, the the groundwork we had to learn to learn how to, to do some navigation and so on. Yes. Um, there were three officers, two, uh, a squadron leader as a boss. And I realised I think he was a. He looked very old anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there was an adjutant who was an ex-lawyer, or, and that's, that tells tell you an amazing story about him, and um, an accountant, and there's a corporal who had to see to us uh, doing um, running and things like that. Right. There were burying Stearmans instead of Tiger Moth. Yep and uh, 86As or Harvard's and we did the initial training, training and then the um, Harvard right. and I forget how long it took but maybe nine months would it be? Something like that. Okay, so so that squadron leader and the adjutant and accountant and hmm? corporal were they RAF? Yes, yeah. they and were the only three. And RAF. all the rest were American Americans. civilians? American civilians? Yes, yeah. none in a uniform. Right. Um, what was the story you were going to say about the adjutant? Oh, well, that comes later on, but um, okay. I had an, an <coughs> another story. <coughs> Sometime during the second part of the training, uh, we were took a take up. I flew it, and he, my mate, did the navigation, and we flew from Texas or Terrell up to Oklahoma, which is about an hour's flight. And there we land and, and we had to change over and he flew back and I did the navigating. And the whole, I suppose there'd be 20 planes. Um, they were sent off at either two or three minute intervals so we wouldn't cheat. Yeah. And uh, we fed, <laughs> so we, we headed north and got to the borders of Texas and Oklahoma and ran into Cloud. Um, if we had done any cloud flying, we would probably have been safe, but we hadn't really any idea. So I opted to go under it. Uh, 
got myself trapped in a little hope, little valley, and uh, <clears throat> once or twice around that, I'd get. I decided that this was no good, and I, I did a forced landing, and uh, in a no time at all, uh, all the Americans and they were real hilly villages. <laughs> Uh, or even I was propositioned by an Ellen Yale, so. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> my navigator was sent to me because I was a captain, and he contacted home or base, and the uh, chief inspector, uh, turpin, so in the chief anyway. Of the Americans flew up in a with the CO and uh, they flew up in a Boeing with steam and um, fortunately he, he pronounced my planes all flyable and left well with my mate in in his spare seat and the CO and myself. Um, decided when it was the clouds were not lasting, yep. and we flew around looking for somebody else, and didn't find them. Uh, later on, when I, I we flew home, he and I, um, there was a phone message that one of the planes had been found, with a, it had obviously spun in, and. Uh, the two blokes were really mangled. And uh, not very long after that, when they found the one, they found another one, the same thing. It, it, a couple of turns of the, when they had flown. Um, <clears throat> at some stage, and I don't quite remember how, but I was with the CO again, and we went back to this one that we had got, and uh, it was really, it, it had gone in straight down. And uh, it, they got a, a lorry with a train on it, and they, I didn't know what they, were, what they were going to do, but they pulled out a blood, <laughs> the two reds, which looks a really awful sight. Anyway, uh, I was continuing my flying training and that was it. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot them all about them. Uh, if I can now jump ahead perhaps 20 years or 25 years, yep. it appears that the local school and their pupils said, but these people who were crashed, uh, we haven't done anything about them. We should have a proper ceremony. And the kids, and the, I think it was 22 girls working in school, uh, set about getting some money uh, and arranging a proper, well, presumably, Padre, or, uh, 
And then they said, well, how are we going to get the people there? Because they're all in England and places like that. And they phoned, or they, the mistress phoned them all up, called 20 of them. And uh, I was one of them on the phone. And I took this phone call. I it was hard to believe. <laughs> but I was speaking from a, you know that. And, and anyway, uh, they arranged the relatives of the boots who were killed, myself and my navigator to go over. Um, the other blokes who weren't left from England all went for free. Uh, I didn't, uh, in spite of writing it, appealing letters to the, um, who was it, whatever they'd call themselves. Yep. Um, I went over and my expense, uh, and they, there was, they, they got the total situation was really well handled. It was thanks to the school mistress and their little boys and girls, where we were each assigned to one. So you walked to this And they did a really good job. They've got local politicians in and the goodness knows what. Uh, and then I had to fly back. Um, that's, that's really neat that that they did that for you know a couple of trainees that yeah. never even saw the war really did yeah. they and yeah, yeah that's amazing yeah how amazing but I was most impressed yeah I got a letter from the schoolmistress about a year ago but uh, she had she asked me to write and I did but she didn't reply right yeah. um. Well, then we, we, the, um, the training was completed and I got my wings and we were shipped back to England again. Right. You, you did um, stearman training and then back to England? No, no, stearman and then the 86A, the Harvard. Ah, yes, OK, right, I missed that bit. Uh, so that's why we got wings, because that was... Yep. So what did, what did you prefer? Did you prefer the, the stearman or the, or, or the Harvard? Oh, they were quite different. I mean, they, 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 uh, I suppose you, you, uh, as soon as you'd gone solo on the uh, on the sermon, you were waiting for the next one. Yeah. Um, the the steer, um is a good plane. It, it's a good deal um, more substantial than the Tigermoth. And I suppose was, I went up in it from Ardmore, and you. Few weeks ago. Right, right. <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, when we get back to England, um, I don't know how they worked out who should go where, but um, I and about, I don't know, 10 people got commissioned, and the others were sergeants. I never did find out why. Anyway, but probably that was it. They sent some of the officers to one place to wreck them. Um, 
which is just very close to the borders of Wales and England. And um, the story got, got around that since we've been flying in the America with the lights on and all the rest of it, this time we do some trials on night flying. So um, we had done night flying. Um, it hardly was counted, but it, <laughs> it went in your logbook as night flying. Right. In fact, um, as an aside, uh, my first time on a AT6A flying at night, I, he, my instructor said, just do two landings and come and tell me how it went. So I did my landings and found him. And I said, how long have you been up? I said, 20 minutes, sir. <laughs> he said, well, that's more than I've done at night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> so that was the start. Anyway, when we get to Wrexham, it was entirely different. Everything was black. Uh, you only had a, a bunch of instruments to work from. But I didn't prang, and I don't know anyone who did. I suppose that's right. Anyway, we did it sometimes daytime and sometimes at night when they thought we were good enough. We would, uh, they searched. Yeah, that's right. I remember being sent for. And asked, so I presumably as a senior, um, you've got to decide what you want to do now. And there's a, a small team who are going to present their reasoning why you've chosen this one. Yep. So I had my long things, long established that I was going to be a Spitfire. So I didn't really think much of it. But I said, well, you, you needn't bother. <laughs> I'm going to have go in a Spitfire. <laughs> and they, they uh, how fortunately they, they accepted that. Yep. Um, then I went, Yes, by boat to the um, Egypt. Okay. This um, Malia, which was a peacetime aerodrome when the English were running um, Egypt. Yes, yep. Uh, and we. Um, we did a lot of flying in hurricanes, which rather annoyed me. Why hurricanes? <laughs> 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 so anyway, we did. I had to. And then, <coughs> then it came the day when now you can fly us, but, uh, but it's all different, you know. Yep. So we had to, we were given a flying notes and you had to learn the uh, the cockpit off by heart so you could put your hand on anything 
Um, and I went off and did my solo. And it was a great day for me. <laughs> Do you remember the date? Mm? Do you remember the date of the solo? No, I don't. <laughs> I guess it'd be 1942 by then, would it? I suppose so. I don't even know that for sure. I'd have to look it up in the yeah. home handbook, in the logbook. Yeah. So anyway, well, how, how did you how did you find the Spitfire after the hurricane? Were they quite different? Yeah. Well, I, they were quite different. The uh, hurricane was very sen sensitive on the rise and fall, and it, the um, and the elevators. Right. And the the Spitfire was the elevator ailerons okay. and it, so that made quite a, quite a difference in um, I think we anyway I don't we had to go to some sort of holding place in in Cairo yeah and uh, you they posted our positions of where we were going by putting it on the notice board and uh, I was picked you know, told I had to go to San Severo in Italy to act as a courier pilot for a detachment of photographic people okay um, they were very, um, very up, 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 up the pipe. I didn't get any really, really had much fun talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> they were always funny. <coughs> they were going off on long trips over Italy, over Germany. So anyway, I, I was given the hurricane, which is stripped from all armaments and they could carry stuff in it. Yep. And uh, Fairchild, it was a little four-seater. Okay. Quite quite nice. Like a high wing type. Yeah. Yep. And fairly big motor. I don't know what it have, but it'll be at least 500 horsepower. Okay. Uh, so I had to report to some character and I was given what, where I had to go to and what to take and then come back and say you'd done it and then go off at some So I just buzzed around in the hurricane. Right. Um, I went to, I don't know which of which, but it's Corsica or Sardinia, whichever is the southern one. Yeah. I went there several times. Um, did you enjoy that work? Because it would have been quite varied stuff. Mm? Did you enjoy that kind of work? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I just did it because it, uh, I had to do it. Mm. Uh, but there was no... Uh, uh, it was own, it'd have been different if it had been a Spitfire. Yeah. It was a, a worn-out hurricane. <laughs> and uh, the weather was mixed. Um, I remember my calamity flying round in little circles before I decided. <laughs> and uh, 
had to flew over the top of it and hoped that it would be clearer when I got there. Um, the little four-seater turned out to be quite interesting. I, I never had a job with it, but I made it out I could fly it. And I did it several short tries so I could got familiar with it. Um, and that stood me in very good stead some two or three layers later because there was a wing commander who had one and uh, he did a deal with us that we could fly his four-seater if he could fly our hurricane and I immediately said well I'm the only bloke who can fly it so I, I ran a, a uh, was the uh, airline to Cairo and back again with three, three randy bastards uh, who wanted to go down to the flesh pots. <laughs> 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 so that was a, I, I knew I'd going to do a good thing. Right? <laughs> and that was some couple of years later. Yeah. Um, then the, the uh, I suppose it must have been the adjutant, he said, well, thank, no, no, thank you very much, Mr. Wall. You've got to go, and let, go on uh, to 32 Squadron, and you'll find them in Foggia, which is a little way south. So I packed my, you've got a tremendous amount of stuff, you know, including a Holding bed. Oh, right. Yeah, I was fortunate. I, I, most people had them. But I was, I know the ones or two didn't, and they were very sorry. <laughs> but um, anyway, I took a train to Fodjail, which was, um, we were the only flood squadron there. Uh, it was mainly and only Americans, and they were flying fortresses and um, liberators. Right. And they had taken up massive formations, and, and we, we were supposed to, I suppose, protect them. I don't know. Okay. Don't think so. But. So. We weren't there very long, I suppose, a, a couple of months or so. Um, I'd done some operations. Uh, when we got the word that the Americans decided we were in the way, and would we find somewhere else? Um, it turns out that the 32 Squadron <coughs> was one of the few who could, in fact, just go anywhere, okay. and they're completely self-contained, even to some good repair work. Right. So we went to a place called Termoli, I think it was, further north, and it was just a... a, a do you know what pierced steel tracking is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a, a run, someone had used it as a for landing and it was sloping down to the beach. 
tell you that was a uh, I had to think about that because if you run out, you run out of the water. <laughs> and uh, we continued to. Uh, we were part of the Balkan Air Force. Now that was an arrangement that we said that Churchill had made with Tito, I don't know true how true it is. But anyway, occasionally we, they sent a message very long way round uh, and we were exposed to Ned say, would you bomb this or shoot that? Yeah. But it was always about a week late. Oh, right. um, either they'd blown it up or something. <laughs> well, they didn't want it now blown up, but that was a week late after we'd finished with it. Yeah. But um, after that, um, it was much your own. Um, someone would say, well, when we went over there, it was maybe some sort of, sort of train, you know, so would, everyone would hands up where they would go and, and try and shoot the train up. Um, <clears throat> we lived in tents, and that's where my board, board, proper bed <laughs> came in. Uh, and I had a marquee to have our drinks and dinners in. Yep. Well, I was going off on, we used to fly in four, fours of them, and this was, the CO was going to, to go and beat up something and it would be him and the sergeant and me and, uh, and my sergeant, and we went off to wherever this place was. Um, when we were halfway there, as it were, over Yugoslavia. Yeah. Suddenly, my engine did a noise, wrong noise anyway, and eventually packed up. So I, they were then, and didn't bother to try and find me. I said, I'm, I'm, my engine has stopped, and I'm going to force land. Yeah. And the CEO said, don't just jump out. So I didn't, I pretended I couldn't find out. I felt I was having heard that a fourth landing in, in, in Texas, I should do this instead. Yep. Uh, anywhere in Yugoslavia is a mess of hills and mountains. And uh, by good fortune, I'm sure, I like to think it was my skill. Um, I found a, or didn't find it, it was presented myself to a field with stones and all sorts of things in it, but I missed them yep. and landed with the wheels down, up, up. Yep. And then the, the, the fun started because in the cockpit there's a little bomb and you're supposed to take this bomb and take the cap off and hang, bang it on the f something and then run away while it, it, and it would blow up 
and then we destroy your plane. Yep. So I found this bomb, pulled the top off, banged it on the seat, and ran for seven seconds and lay down, and nothing happened. Oh. <laughs> 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 Should I go back and hit it again? <laughs> well, what do you do? There was, uh, by then, uh, there was some shouting going on, whom I presume was the enemy. Yep. So when I think about it, I, I lay down on the, I don't know, some bushes, and got out my pistol and saw that I got some guns. And I could hear then, the voice was saying, Comrade! And I thought, well, that's odd. Um, and he kept saying, Comrade, Comrade, as he walked down the hill. Yep. Uh, then, to add fun, the three blokes, the CO and two, returned, saw my plane <laughs> complete and proceeded to shoot it out. Oh. <laughs> I had then run seven seconds plus, <laughs> plus some more. And I had this boy as a peasant. Uh, I we had met each other and said comrade to both of us. And then this three blokes came shooting down and shot me up. I was so that finally they didn't hit the aeroplane, I was happy to say, and they didn't hit me or the other peasant. Right. But uh, it's surprising what a noise the cannons make. <laughs> so by then the comrades Partisan arrived, and he couldn't. He was a little bit better than a peasant, but not much. Yeah. And he he indicated that we should go and go now, and go up the hill. And he patted the other bloke on the shoulder and said something to him. And we, uh, unfortunately, I had shoes rather than flying boots. And uh, then he he said, or indicated, have we got any ammunition? So I said, yes, yes, of course, a lot. So then, then we get this. Then back we went to the plane. <laughs> and I remembered the chatter and do the um, covering. And he pulled out the 303 bullets. And he, I think 200 rounds, and he, he just wrapped them round himself and walked. <laughs> well, I was, I, I didn't get anything. Yep. I didn't even look at my bomb. And uh, then we set off up the hill. And uh, I didn't meet anybody really who could speak English. Um, some say knew a little bit, but didn't mean anything to them and meant little to me. Yeah. But we got to, after we stopped, I think twice 
on small camps. Uh, we lay down on the ground with a blanket and when it got dark and got up when it light. Um, I suppose we had, I was given what I thought was a mess tin of full of um, tea and I thought this is quite good and took a great big swig of it and it was bloody wine <laughs> and hot wine too. <laughs> It wasn't whiskey, but it might, it was whatever they graffer, that's it, graffer, oh God. <laughs> so I managed to restrain myself from throwing it away <laughs> and said, very good, and then gave it back to him. <laughs> anyway, we got to the headquarters, as it were, and there was a, a, I presume a colonel and his what are they, what do they call them, commissars and yep. whatever, and lots of blokes. And he could say, or knew, the words of go by Timerary. And he proceeded to sing that to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> I knew enough of it to join in, so we were singing. By then I'd got a, a, a severe bellyache, so I managed to convince him that I needed some assistance. Uh, did he have any medicals? Yes, he had medicals, and he pointed to a, a very large and fat young woman. She is the medical. So I saw her, rubbed my tummy, made faces, and was given two large pills. And I said, well, how many do I take at once? Just, it didn't mind. <laughs> Throw him away for a uh, Anyway, to be on the safe side, I took them both. Uh, and they were what the Air Force calls number nines. And it's a devastating thing. And if you're ready for it, it's all right, but I wasn't. So That's an Alexa to It was like being blown up. They <laughs> 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 didn't have anything like paper. So I used the olive oil, I think it was olive trees, anyway. But I lay down, and for that night I had a, a, a dashed out to the. I don't know whether I was shot or not, but it, she cleared it up, and I was then extremely angry. Yep. And uh, they only ate one meal a day, and that, but they had a lovely fire, a great big fire. Uh, I don't know what animal they got. It would be wild animal. He had a lot to eat, and I enjoyed my stay there. I, I argued uh, with the commissar. He said, "I forget what it was, but it's better than a uh, better than a 109. Much better. A Spitfire is no good. 
<laughs> that was his <laughs> announcement, <laughs> and I took the other side. <laughs> so it didn't get anywhere. Um, I stayed with them for about a couple of weeks, I think. Um, they, during that time, they, I don't know how they did it, but they captured a small tank. Wow. It was not much bigger than a small car. There were two blokes, three blokes in it. Yep. And um, he showed them and they learned how to fire it. And then uh, they were herded together. I made the mistake of offering them a cigarette and uh, I almost had to stand with them. <laughs> and uh, the answer, I didn't have it at the time, but when I got back to Italy, I, out in the, if you stop and think about it, if you capture a German, you haven't any prison to put him into. There's nowhere to hand him over. So what you do, you take him around the corner and shoot him. Right. And when they caught one of the partisans, they didn't think, he's the bloke who terrorizes, so we'll shoot him. So that's the, it makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're on the right side. Yeah. Anyway, these two were taken round the corner and I presumably shot. And we played with their tank and tried it out. <laughs> I don't think they had any petrol, but they could uh, use the 20 millimeter gun. Right. Um, then the, uh, the colonel said that they were getting some <coughs> um, uh, people, wounded people, flown out. This is not in English, but in Turkish, um, uh, whatever they say, Yugoslavian. And uh, I should go soon with them. So I said, oh, "Well, I do. I, how would I get there?" Uh, and I gathered that I would get a horse and two guides. And sure enough, the, the bloke turned out with a horse. <laughs> Is it? I've never, never ridden a horse before. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I remember which way to put in. I didn't put my right foot in and, and fit. <laughs> I might well have done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I <coughs> got the left foot in and, and, and Hold on. And uh, these two blokes, <coughs> just a, a couple of peasants, they had a rifle eat, and we set off. And they met somehow, they knew their way. Right. Um, I think we were one night overnight, we had to <laughs> sleep in a, in, in a cave and uh, not have any lights and so on. Um, 
they laughed like hell when I tried got water out of the living out of the river. And they just bent down and sucked it up. Anyway, they knew the way anyhow, and I arrived at a, where they, the Dakotas would land. Right, right. And uh, a, a um, officer and two sergeants or something that had the with the um, radio with a barrow, so they could send the message that. I was okay. <coughs> they had the, the remains of a tin of bacon, so we, <laughs> we had a splendid meal with that. Um, the next morning the Dakota came in, and it was really, uh, someone had helped them clear the way, the, the, the mill, the, the roan, the stones were cleared away and it thumped and crashed down. <coughs> they loaded it with the wounded and my goodness, I don't know why they bothered. Uh, they were just, it really, they would have been kinder if they'd shot them. And the smell was, was oh dear me, I was told go up front for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, so we shot down the <laughs> slope <coughs> and he got it off the ground and it was a bit of an excitement for me. Uh, and we went to a barrier where they, um, I presume that they were unloaded and went on so much leave. I don't think many of them could have survived. Um, I wasn't too sure where I should go. Um, <coughs> I went to the army bloke, who was, uh, he gave me something to eat and gave me a shower. He told me where it was. He said, I'm afraid the water's cold. <laughs> so I should have gone to the Air Force and got a hot one. And then, <coughs> He told me there's a, a convoy going north, north uh, uh, and they're going through your home. So I hitchhiked with an American who was driving his three-tonner. And I don't really know how far it is to Barry. Most of the day, anyway. Yeah. And, uh, I reported to the CIO and he said, oh, it's a suburb of you, I don't hear about, what's, what's held you? <laughs> and then I went to look my my, my tent and they, uh, my bed had been sorted out. And I, well, I looked forward to that because having slept on the ground for the best part of three weeks, it wasn't that fun. Uh, but I had kept a big tin of Christmas pudding. Yep. And I kept thinking about that. And as I came clearer to the bone, phone, 
and oh, sure, I, I wanted it until I got home and I said, I was just going to look for my tin of Christmas pudding. Oh, that, they said. <laughs> we had that weeks ago. <laughs> so I, I sulked uh, all day. <laughs> the squadron was then getting ready to go. Um, the re-engagement of the army with the with Greece um, was planned, uh, but they couldn't afford to release an aircraft carrier for it. Right. So we had to fly to Greece uh, and act as an aircraft carrier. We just patrolled over it. Um, so I had to go with one other boat to find a, an aerodrome, or at least a field. And uh, so off I went with my number two to find this. And we found a, a very good looking field. Yep. And we were told that if we wait there long enough, uh, a, a spy will arrive and he can send a, a message back to Barry. So we landed and, and waited, and we could see it right on the other side of the field, a bloke with about a dozen or more than a dozen of people with him. Right. <laughs> he, he came walking over, and he was an army bloke. And, uh, <coughs> I said, well, uh, I've been told that you're a spy, and he said, well, I am in a way. And these are my friends, all the, all the locals, <laughs> miles around, <laughs> who were... Um, and so I said, well, send the message and tell them this is the one I've chosen. So he did that. And uh, that night, believe it or not, a Dakota landed in it uh, with some petrol yep. and some food, various built on things that we didn't know we had, uh, and then took off again. Um, the next morning, the rest of the, uh, quite a big proportion of the squadron arrived in it, and they, that was brought up to seven or eight and we parked down there. Right. At that time they'd got a pig and uh, killed it and, and got a fire going and then we had a delightful <laughs> roast pork for dinner. <laughs> no potatoes but so. Anyway, in a tent but no bed. Um, during the night there was a knock on the door. It's raining, sir. And so the CEO said, well, well, have a look. And it was. It was not an ordinary rain, but pouring down. Oh. So <coughs> the thing was, what would happen to the planes? Mm. So we went out 
and there they were, some of them only a little bit, but some were out up for the bloody wings. Oh, wow. So this was <laughs> disaster staring us in the face. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to help them find the out of that aircraft carrier for them. Anyway, <coughs> we managed to get, well, say five or six of them. We left one, which was just too much. Yep. Uh, we got it into onto higher ground, but no way you could take off from them. Um, the following morning, <coughs> the whole village for miles around arrived suitably <laughs> women mainly but men too and they cleared a runway that's the only way you can put it they just it was we landed and hid our trials ourselves in a tree and they we just pointed the way it was they, you could get a 670 yard run and they cut the trees, they bashed the rocks, they did, they worked like Trojans, wow. quite incredible. And that evening, the uh, <coughs> CO said, right, now we're going to, we're two planes short, so somebody is going to go. So he produced seven, would it be, seven uh, pieces of straw. Uh, and two of them were the short ones. Yep. So, and he passed them round. And I won the short one, so I was all right. And uh, one of my friends, he was the other one. And the other five had to take off down this dreadful scene. Every friend said, how do you run it? Is there any override? How do you pull it off? <laughs> All sorts of questions they knew the answers to, they just had to ask. Anyway, <coughs> off they were, oh, they went, CO obviously had, had to go first, and uh, none of them had came to any, any sort of disaster, and they landed. They went to, <coughs> to land in an aerodrome, which I had missed, they being uh, used by the Germans, and they had blown up the runway. But they hadn't used very much in the way of dynamite or what they used, because it only made a, a hole about a foot deep and as big as this room. Yes. We really mud. And uh, with great care, they could manage to land on it. And they did. By which time, the Samoa had arrived, so we could, I think, we could fly two at a time as we pretend we were aircraft carriers. And <coughs> just in time, uh, the next morning, they had we'd drawn up a careful who does who does first and how long it'll be, and and. Uh, <coughs> At the time, because this was on the Mediterranean side, and the, the army was coming in on the Atlantic side, so we've got 
I suppose about 20 minutes to fly there and back, and 20 minutes to come back again, and an hour to, to patrol them, so it, it was very short, short time. Anyway, we sent the first ones off and we patrolled them. Um, I think we were for a day and a half. Uh, I saw they had a huge convoy of boats and things, and they landed in Piraeus and walked into Athens. And then <coughs> uh, we had got the holes filled in by the locals. Uh, we did a patrol or two over the over the, over Athens, and then uh, decided we would go and land on Athens, and which we did, um, and stayed there for a day or two, and then um, the Germans had agreed that they wouldn't devastate anything; they would just go and. Walk out, right? Which was so we had on our terms said we wouldn't shoot anyone, at least until they were gone. Yep. Um, about halfway there, we we reckoned that was fair enough. They wouldn't go back, and we went out to shoot them. But it was a very awkward road along. It went. Well, the you know Mount Olympus is very prominent there, and it yes. it, it was very odd to try and find a straight bit, but it, someone had a shot at it, and, and uh, we returned to not having a very much luck. Right. Right. Then said, well. well you, you better go now and go north. And so <coughs> the Salonica was the place. Uh, <coughs> and that was an, an earth field. Um, it was all right when it was dry, but it, it hadn't been there long before the snow and the rain arrived and it, went, it was impossible. Uh, one or two tried it. Uh, one, I don't think it was worth the risk. Um, so we we eventually got all the planes up there and ourselves and so took over an American farm, I think it was, which was where a teaching farm, right? And we had a quite, quite. We had a very good. We had, we had a room to myself. Oh, right. uh, and we stayed there. It was oh, what would it be? Beginning of December, perhaps, until January, certainly. Okay. Um. There, my skill of, uh, with the Fairchild came in handy, and um, 
because we couldn't fly Spitfires, the Army, or the Air Force, I should say, uh, sent us two Fosters, oh, right. um, packed to very neatly, <laughs> complete, but um, in a box. And uh, the sea engineering officer take it, oh, erected it, um, and they were very good. Uh, again, <coughs> my my life was uh, once again. I was uh, told, that, "Well, you did been these. You did did made a lot of fuss about how good you were." Yes. <laughs> now go and fly it. The only place there was in concrete. I suppose it was uh, the end of the hangar, and it was about oh, at least wide another wing, so you could rush down that. So I went down right to the end, and I had the whole squad <laughs> lined up looking for me. <laughs> I didn't think of anybody to have any fire extinguishers or anything, but they all determined to see, see the worst if they could. <laughs> <laughs> so I got off the ground and, and landed. And then <clears throat> I had to take up a radio with the, an army officer who was then going to direct the fire of a, a bag from the cruiser, I don't know what name it was, there was a cruiser into the um, port of Salonica okay. and uh, they would fire a shallow and we'd say it's too far and straight out. But uh, well, we went up and waited and waited and nothing happened. Um, we went back and asked them what they going to do, and they they were still arguing themselves. So we went again and couldn't. They were, then they, I think our radio was it was a big clumsy thing. Yeah. And uh, he said it, we were wasting time. You know, go back and I, well, they can work it out for themselves. So we did and landed. Again, on my little bit, um, got rid of the, the set when he stuck it out with that. And uh, we went in and said, well, What do we do with this, these airplanes? <laughs> One of the other blokes had got his head, got his, well, <coughs> got his hand in on it, and he went flying. Caught out in a, a snowstorm, or and uh, again he landed, and then when it was cleared a bit, he flew on. And about the weather in in uh, Greece and Italy in, in that time of year, it's pretty cold, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's not. It's in, in Italy, isn't too bad. It's it's um to the south of the, um, about where we are. Uh, in <coughs> in Thessalonica it's dreadful. Right. 
um, we lost the use of the aerodrome for certainly a month. Oh, okay. Uh, um, yeah. So that's uh, why before you said you couldn't use the Spitfires mm, because of the weather. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we the, the weather <coughs> when the weather cleared up, the Germans were well out of range, and they said you've got to go now to Palestine. Oh. <laughs> so, what do we do there? And we were told that we are, we should do our best to prevent the illegal immigrants landing. So. <coughs> the next question they asked, asked, we asked was, do we shoot? Oh, no, 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 that's the last thing you should do. So we didn't then know how to do it. Um, <coughs> we had all 12 aircraft working now, and uh, a local squadron of bow fighters uh, took us on the way to Cyprus uh, left us about I don't know, some distance away and we landed at Cyprus for refueling and then went on to Ramat David which is in the north of, um, of Palestine where we landed and that was a, a pre-war aerodrome, it's got proper billets and uh, hard stands and everything else. Um, <coughs> prior to going there, and by pure luck, one of the members said, you know, if we ever get to Palestine, we'll be in God's own, because my sister is in the Nuenz, and she's in Palestine. Right. Oh, so we all hope for, hope for the best, and and Ned would believe it. It was true. <laughs> <laughs> so off we went, full of hope, uh, and reminded John Ford constantly of his promise. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he arranged a a party. I suppose it would be. And um, <coughs> uh, I went to that, naturally, and one of them I took my fancy, and uh, eventually I got married. Right. Uh, quite a long time later. Um, the interesting thing about the getting married was you, there was a good deal of trying it out and uh, so I <coughs> was told I had to report to the officer of her, whatever they call them, ship. Yep. Uh, and, and she would write to my CO, so I had duly reported to her. And uh, it only, she needed to see me, that was all. And uh, so I, I then went back. <clears throat> to the squadron, and as luck would have it, I was acting as the adjutant. 
And when the latter came in from the whatever happened, uh, requiring him to say what a sort of bloke I was, yep. I drafted a perfectly good letter. <laughs> 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 Took it in with about a dozen letters for him to sign, <laughs> and just sign them all so you don't want to. That's a lot of rubbish about cannons. <laughs> <laughs> and he signed it, and I posted it, and I never heard any more. <laughs> it's still on file, I suppose. <laughs> so that was that. Um, we never found uh, how we were supposed to prevent them. Um, who, who was it that you were trying to prevent? Because you said illegal immigrants. It's the Jews from wherever they were kept. I think a lot came from Russia oh, right. uh, and others who had survived the early castings. But they came in all sorts of rubbish boats. Um, there's no way you could stop them. And they were determined that they were coming. Yeah. Uh, Balfour, or whatever his name was, had promised them. Uh, they waved with joy to see us. <laughs> Little did they know, though, that we were going to shoot them. <laughs> so they, um, they arrived and that was that. They, um, I think it's rather unfortunate, but then that is why they, and I don't know whether it's something to do with their Jews or not, but they, they had arranged a terrorist group in, in Palestine which was to ensure that they did get it rather than they, we would stay as a mandate. Okay. Um, we didn't obviously see that, but they still were there. Um, we had to get our... We went to a place called Petatikva, which was better than Ramat David, because it was open. And they, they armoured it and they put barbed wire up and searchlights and Christ knows what. Uh, none of ours came to any harm, but lots of the army did. Um, we patrolled, we, we began to have a little bit of something to do. We. Um, we patrolled the, the um, Palestine police who had armoured cars and we helped, helped them. But it was just a, a year of a waste of time. Yep. Now I come to this amazing story. You remember the Argentine president yes. in Palestine, uh, in Texas, America? Yeah, Texas, yeah. Well, in his, in my absence, he had become the judge advocate general. Wow. He was the big no noise of all the Air Force 
in the Middle East, and uh, he had to attend the more important um, court martials to see that the proper rules were obeyed. Now, I had done a, oh dear, it's a report you have to do on how um, say he stole a plane or stole anything and uh, you write it all out and the, you get the evidence for him and, and the evidence against him and so on and it's, it, it's quite a big thing and it's quite important it's for a court martial is it? yeah, yeah. for a court martial and the one I was going to uh, submit this to was a very important one. I don't forget what happened now. But, and it just so happened that the very next day after the court-martial, I was due for a demand. And the person who re reports on it, me, has to stay till the very end until he's, he's, he's jailed or shot or whatever they do. Yeah. Uh, so I could see myself being here there for weeks. And I was thinking of what I could do. And then I should see uh, a gentleman in glorious technicolor uh, the Judge Advocate General, and he was the sergeant, sergeant in in my last when I was learning to fly. Right, right. So I rushed over to him, shook him by the hand, and said, "I need your help." And I explained all that had gone. He said, "Think no more about it." <laughs> and the, the morning, the very first day of the of the court martial. He said, and the uh, report was an, an excellent report, I might say. <laughs> uh, it has been completed by John Wall, or fine enough, so Wall, and I don't think there's any, any need for, you know, for blah, 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 blah. And they all nodded, 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 nodded. Well, there you are, that's it. And so you go. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> I felt it, went in it. And I was an airman <laughs> and left, and I was a colonel. And uh, it did me look proud. <laughs> so, that's the, 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 there you are. It's the, the last question I really have is um, what happened to Chris that you joined up with? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness me. He. he um, <coughs> He did instructing first, oh, yep. and then he got a job because he was a first-class pilot uh, for um, Farnborough, no, not Farnborough, where the aerodromes is. Well, anyway, it's this place as a test pilot. Okay, yep, yep. And uh, he stayed with them right through to the bitter end. Right. Um, he. He uh, understudied the 
oh, whatever his name was. But he flew this thing, and he was largely responsible for the mosquito. And uh, when I visited him once, he, he was talking about it, and he said, well, go out to see the museum, and I'll tell you a story, or several stories. Uh, firstly, the it's a you know it's a wooden plane and it's molded and they had to make a mold for their model and they made a concrete mold. Yes. <laughs> and he's still got it or had it. <laughs> so that's one one. The second thing is he said the very first one is in the in the hangar here. You can go and sit in it and do what you like. So I sat in it, I pretended I was flying it. And then he said, the field from which here, that we flew back to Hatfield, was divided into two. And we were going to knock down the hedge so we could make a straight run. And the farmer refused to learn. And he said, no, no way, that's my plan and that's the way it is. So they eventually cut a hole in it and they flew the th uh, a zigzag out. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time it ever flew, <laughs> it flew in a zigzag. So he was a, a very largely, and he retired there, and he died a few years ago. Okay. Chris, um, Peter, I mean, Peter, I never did know what happened to Peter. Right, right. Well, he just seemed to disappear from, from uh, probably, I sort of think he would have survived because we were pretty good mates. Uh, and I'm sure he would have got in, but we didn't. Yeah, you, you would have heard of something that happened to him. Mm -hmm. You would have heard of something that happened to him, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I think so, but I don't know. Yeah. Probably being a, oh, well, no, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he did, because uh, when I was in Edinburgh, Chris phoned me from somewhere, and he said, I've got my friend, I've got a, 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 our friend with me. So that must have been it. Right. And I went out that night. Okay. Yeah. I just remembered that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, for this interview, it's been fascinating. No, I mean, uh, honestly, the, just the um, just the story of coming down in Yugoslavia and your Spitfire yeah. alone is, <laughs> is been worth it. That, that must have been pretty terrifying, wasn't hmm? it? Was it terrifying, or were you fairly calm about it all? I think you'd have to stay calm. Hmm. There wasn't time to panic. Right. I think I was very lucky too because it. Was uh, although I never looked and see when I was coming in at the last minute when you couldn't do 
Uh, there were rocks everywhere, but I didn't hit one. It was really lucky. When you got back to Italy, obviously you will have um, reported that your your bomb in the cockpit didn't go off. Was there any repercussions from that? Did no. No. I don't know. I think it was just somebody when they designed it probably said you have to have the little bomb and they put the member. I don't think anyone ever tried it. Yeah. I never heard of anyone. I asked other people wouldn't know when I'd, it wouldn't have, they had no excuse to set it off. Yeah. So. You never mentioned whether you came up against any German fighters. Was there no. any opposition? None at all. There were no German fighters at all. Um, a bit before 32, I joined 32, there were, as another squadron, I don't remember what their number was, but they met them. Um, but they were very soon withdrawn to the East Front. Um, there was never an, a soul. So we were, it, I just think it's ground attack. There's nothing else. Yeah, there were boats and things like that. But. So, so when uh, when you went into Greece, you've got Tito's army coming from the north, mm -hmm. the Russians coming from that direction, yeah. and you, and the British coming in from the south. So, you, those Germans were pretty much trapped, weren't they? I didn't. Um, we had one of the last flights before the weather got too bad, um, four of our planes got lost and landed at Plovdiv, which was in, in control by Russia's. Um, they offered them hospitality and fuel and sent them on their way. Uh, later on, when the weather cleared a bit, and they came back uh, a few days later, full of stories, but nothing else. No, they, they, I don't think the Russians, they were hell-bent on getting into Germany, and I don't think they, they were, we were on the tip of Macedonia, but nowhere near Germany. Right. So they didn't come here. Okay. We, there were some army people there. We went for driving a tank and things like that. And they, um, they were, oh, what are they called? Uh, Indians, but they weren't. The blokes who climb Everest. What's that? Yeah, Sherpas. Sherpas. There were a, a lot of Sherpas in them, and they drink or drank um, rum, and we didn't care for it. But we liked beer, <laughs> so we did. We bought lots of rum and bought it and passed it on to them, <laughs> and got their 
Well, thank you very much again. No. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's, it's not over. It's the first time I've rehearsed it. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you did very well. Thank you.